At Federal, we have products for every season and every pursuit. Our passionate and dedicated teams design, build, and deliver the world's best American-made ammunition, whether you're hunting, target shooting, or defending yourself and family. Our pride and hard work can be found in every box, ammo can, or bottle of ammunition. For us, it's always in season. It's federal season. Welcome to Federal Ammunition's podcast, It's Federal Season. I'm Jason Nash, along with Brian Kelvington. Today, we get to welcome one of Federal's longest-lasting relationships in the outdoor media, the Buckmaster himself, Jackie Bushman. Jackie, great to have you on the podcast. Guys, I appreciate the invite. I'm in between trips, and uh, glad to have some chance to talk to y'all and tell you how things are going on the road. And Again, thank y'all. Y'all, uh, there's there's five sponsors, and y'all are one of five that have been with Buckmasters from day one, and it's been an awesome relationship. And you know, y'all's friendship personal with us, but just going back to the to the early days, it's been a great ride, and we appreciate you. It sure has, Jackie. Yeah, it's been an unbelievable. We just j- commenting about it earlier, and Federal's going to turn a hundred years old in in uh, 2022. You've been with the company now for 35 years. That means more than a third of our company's history has been associated and linked with you, Jackie. So that's quite the testament to uh, a, a strong par- partnership. Absolutely. You know, I tell people when they see me, they say, man, I've been, I've been watching you since I was in diapers. I said, yeah, I helped Noah when he came over and I separated the animals with him and I picked a white-tailed deer. So it seems like it's been hard to believe. I want to say this is our 36th or 37th year on television. So, wow, does time fly. Yeah, and you you guys have certainly taken the Buckmasters brand beyond just television. I mean, you've got the website, you've got the magazine. Um, I mean, you've definitely grown that brand, and it's been fun to watch you bring on hosts and guests of other TV shows. I think you've you've been one of the best at embracing, you know, the the up and comers. Yeah, I mean, the Johnny Carson with that with the Jackie Bushman show. You sit down on the couch and dissect people and and their hunts. Pretty unique. Well, it's it's been a fun deal to do that. And we've got a lot of young producers and influencers out there. And I, you know, I remember when I started, I mean, I didn't have anybody really help me. I had, you know, uh, grits Gresham. He helped me a little bit and, uh, you know, just to get, you know, the TV side going, but yeah, it's, it's been an honor to work with some of the young producers and watch some of the struggles that they go through. And, uh, you know, I've, I've got a few co-hosts out of it, you know, but yeah, I mean, I still got a lot of energy, still enjoy doing it. And as long as the fans, enjoy watching me screw up on tv every sunday i'll keep doing it <laughs> well they love it that in uh the numbers certainly show it hey so jackie why don't you take a, a little trip back in time and tell us you know how did buckmasters first get started i mean i think you were you were going to be the next great professional tennis player right <laughs> <laughs> to this day my wife still gets mad at me but I played at Auburn university i played number one up there and uh, i also played the professional circuit uh it was the ATP was the top hundred to 125. I was on the American Express side, like, and that was like the 125s to the top 250. So, I did that during my amateur career, and uh, and then I tried to play pro for one year, and it just 
you know, back in those days, and then we're talking 73 to 78, uh, that's Bjorn Borg, Jimmy Connors, uh, you know, those guys and stuff. You really had to be in the top 20 or 30 to make a living at tennis, okay? I mean, our guys were out there packing six people in a day's in and, you know, making twenty-five or $30,000 off of playing. So uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, my dad was a big tennis player, uh, you know, world-class, Davis Cup, you know, all that stuff. I just – I didn't love it like he did it. I, I liked the game, but I loved to hunt and fish too. And I, I think that's that was the problem. I didn't eat, drink, and sleep it. And uh, you know, I beat some guys in the top fifty of the world, but it just wasn't my passion. So, uh, but you know, that's how it kind of got started. And then when I got through playing professionally, there's a a park here in Montgomery, Alabama, called Lagoon Park. It is a golf, softball, tennis, which is one of the best in the country. And I became the city tennis director out there. And I did that for seven years. And while I was doing that, my dad and I ran the Blue Gray Tennis Tournament. It's one of the biggest tennis tournaments in the country beside the NCAA. So while we were doing that, his good friend was the chairman of Kindercare Corporation, Mr. Perry Mendel. And he asked me what I wanted to do besides hit tennis balls to ladies and kids the rest of my life. And I said, well... Ray Scott, who's a real good friend of mine here locally from Montgomery, started the Bassmasters. And you know how successful the Bassmasters has been over the years. So he shared some tips with me. But I I told Mr. Mendel I would like to do kind of similar to what Ray did for fishing, but do it for deer hunting. So long story short, he said, hey, put some numbers together and I'll back it. So I had to make a decision on leaving the tennis business and go try this Buckmasters thing out. So uh, I remember that was 86 or something. And. I basically took an event, and y'all y'all were too young, but if you look back on there was a deal that NBC did it. It was called the Superstars, and that's where you had different athletic events, and like Joe Frazier would be riding a bicycle or something, and then you'd have track and field and stuff like that. So I saw that concept, and um, I remember Tom Ruger way back. He was one of my first sponsors when Tom was alive. And he said, hey, why don't you do something similar to this one-shot antelope hunt, but do it down, you know, down south and stuff and have a hunt. And then, you know, then I put, brought my events with it. So bottom line is I was able to pull it off. We, it was called the Buckmasters Classic, and uh, we did it for like 15 or 16 years. And I was fortunate to have Bo Jackson because Bo went to Auburn, and uh, he was a big hunter. And, you know, Bo came in, I had Jody Davis and Rick Sutcliffe, the Chicago Cubs. Lynn Dickey was a quarterback at Green Bay. And I had Johnny Lee, the country music singer. So that was my first five celebrities I had. And Wade Boggs. And Wade Boggs was one of my partners and stuff at Buckmaster. So we got him down there and had this big event. And um, I put it as a pilot. I remember I was calling the networks and saying, look, I want to do a hunting show. Call to ESPN. They said, no, heck no. I called TNN, which was the national network. Oh, it's a hunt. There's hunting. They said, no, heck no. So I finally called them back and said, look, I've got it. It's basically an event. We're deer hunting, but we won't televise that. So it's knife throwing, hatchet throwing, skeet shooting, bow and arrow golf, ATV obstacles. So that was the event. The celebrities were on a team. We had Buckmaster members and the outdoor press in there. So we finally pulled it off. Did a pilot, uh, sent it to the National Network, and it ran on Sunday nights, which y'all are very familiar with Sunday nights at 10 o'clock. So I, the next day, I'm teaching tennis. I'm soaking wet. Mr. Mendel calls me from Kindercare and says, Jackie, there's a private plane that has just flown, flown in from the Gaylord Entertainment that want to meet with you in the boardroom. So 
I said, okay, I'll be there in about 10 minutes. I'll go in the Kindercare building. There they are. There's all the guys from TNN, the National Network, and all the New York guys. And they said, Mr. Bush, we'd like to talk to you. You just brought us the highest rated show on the National Network ever. And we want to talk about doing a hunting show. First ever, first ever hunting show since the old American sportsman on major cable. So that's how we got started, guys. It basically came from my tennis background of doing an event and y'all were one of, I think I had five or six sponsors, okay? And I want to say Ruger was my rifle. Y'all were the ammunition. I think Realtree, Yamaha, and maybe I had Hoyt and Easton way back. But, I mean, that's all I had. And then from that first event, the Buckmasters Classic, to the next event, everybody in the industry had heard about it, so they wanted to jump on board. And then, boom, we were off to the races, and then we started doing the whole series for television. I think the pilot was on in 1988 and the first series of 13 weeks started in 89 and we went from 12,000 members to like a hundred, almost a hundred thousand in the first year of television. And back in those days, guys, you, you know, you, you know, y'all are fully aware of, we could do one airing on the national network and go to a million six homes. And, you know, now these days with, with cable being so fragmented, you know, it takes six airings to get three or four hundred thousand, which is still good. But you know, the game's changed a little bit. So that's that's some of the early days of how we got started. Oh, that's fantastic! I mean, what a great story. And uh, you talk about the membership. I know that's been a really important part of Buckmasters and the brand. What what is what are the main benefits of being a member of Buckmasters? Well, again, we try to set it up similar to the Bassmasters, and you know, you're trying to find editorial. You know, editorial for a, a person that deer hunts. There's 11 million deer hunters. And I was fortunate. Uh, I told you, I remember at the Buckmasters Classic, I had outdoor riders there. And I was fortunate to bring in a gentleman named Russell Thornberry, who was a big whitetail expert and a great writer and stuff. And, you know, it's funny because uh, I still to this day, uh, I promised Russell, I wrote one story in the first Buckmasters magazine, he said, you know, it's our logo buck. And I went with Russell and I shot it and uh, it's 176 inch deer. And he said, all right, uh, I want you to write a story about that, that deer. A feature story guys, you probably know this is 3,500 words. Okay. I'm not even out of the Montgomery airport yet in my story. And it's 3,500 words. And I think it ended up being like 8,000 and Russell had to edit it down to 35. He said, I will, if you will promise me one thing, I went, what? He said, if you will promise me, you will never write another article in the Buckmasters magazine. I will take the job as editor of the Buckmasters magazine. I said, Dale, I shook his hand and I ain't written one since. So, but you get the magazine, and then, like I said, that's important to the readers out there. You know, the Bassmasters had the magazine, and then, you know, we have the events that members used to come to. You know, now, these days, our website. So what we've tried to accomplish over the years is try to be the media content, cons you know, for the consumer. You know, whether it's print, whether it's TV, whether it's the web stuff, whether it's our videos, whether it's how-to, uh, that's what we've tried to accomplish now. And these days... Social media is a big deal, and we're trying to – we've just hired a young man here. He's 24 years old to play in that world and try to be the best we can at that. So, you know, the bottom line is when you think of Buckmasters and you're a deer hunter and you need information and content, we want to be able to provide it to you in the in the media that you want to consume your content. But, yep. Jackie, when you think back to when you, when you had that first episode, um, 
and the camp now as it as the show has evolved and the technology has evolved the cameras are lighter the equipment is more advanced when it comes to editing mm-hmm. um and the distribution outlets you know are far more niche than when even TNN or even ESPN when they were a 99 million home how has that impacted buckmasters do you think well i think you know you've just got to watch the technology i mean i remember i remember going out on our first deer hunts and y'all both been out to montana with us and I just remember the big cameras, the big block cameras. They 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 weighed twenty pounds, cost fifty thousand dollars, but they never drew in the light, and it just drove me crazy. I've got a deer at ten yards. I remember I was bow hunting one time, one hundred sixty-five class deer. I can see it. Camera can't see it. And you know, don't shoot was the famous two words coming out of the camera. Don't shoot. Don't shoot. Don't have enough light. <laughs> so the problem is, is like in the mornings. We were having, we couldn't have shooting light as far as camera until about 30 minutes after that we could see. And in the opposite in the afternoon, the camera was off before. So we were missing the best 30 minutes in the morning, the best 30 minutes in the afternoon. And I was going, no wonder nobody's done a deer hunting show. They can't get them on camera. And I remember the first years in 89 or nine, I had to go do all Texas shows because those deer were at least out in the daylight in the mornings and that. That's what I was able to pull off. But you know, now, Brian, if you look at it, these cameras now, they don't weigh 25 pounds. They might weigh three or four pounds, and they cost $5,000 instead of 50000 And the cameras now can draw in more light than the hunter can see. I mean, the camera's still going. I'm going, I can't see anymore. And it's still legal shooting light. So the technology of what's happened in the field, we came up with the first tree arm to put on a tree to put a camera on. You know, because a lot of them, my first camera guy, Gene Bottlesbach, he would stand up there in the tree and hold the big 25-pound camera on his shoulder, and that was the way we got footage. Well, I mean, when you go to networks, I mean, you know, you can't keep that completely steady. So Elliot Allen, who you both know, designed us a tree arm that could screw into the tree and be able to hold the head of the camera that the camera could sit on top of the head of the camera, uh, of, of the deal, and then have a smooth transition where you're footage was you know was smooth so i just look back on those days and go god look at what technology has you know has come around to and you know you can look at anything whether it's y'all and ammunition whether it's the tree stand business bows whatever it's amazing to look back and see how far this whole industry has come oh yeah when i first met brian he he invited me on a hunt for a television show and he was the one toting that big camera so he knows all about (laughs) it. it he's still got a sore shoulder from it i think (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well i'll well, tell you what it's kind of like a professional referee they don't get a the camera guys is just to know what they go through on a day-to-day basis and i've always said this i mean people see me on tv and all that i said look what you're seeing is not me the work is coming from the camera guy and the producer that's behind me okay yeah. what you're seeing for the deer the encounters the you know the the footage you know of the sun's rise sunset all that that comes from another person. They just take a bad actor like me and try to make me halfway decent. And <laughs> they've got a tough job and it is a tough job. You know, those guys are staying up at night, having to download footage and get ready the next day. And, you know, they can't shoot the deer, you know what I'm saying? So it's kind of like, but, but look how many camera guys there are. I mean, there was just a few videographers. Now there's, there's camera camps for people that want to get into it. So it's provided a, you know, a, another job for a lot of folks out there that wanted to get into the industry. So 
when I look back and knowing we were the first deer hunting show and hunting show since American Sportsman, and now, I mean, y'all probably know this one. I mean, there are probably 400 hunting shows and four different networks. So, and now you got all these pretty women I got to compete against. So it's, it's like, wow, games change. Yeah. Well, so speaking of that, I mean, you, besides Buckmasters, you, you've also got the Jackie Bushman show. You know, mm-hmm. it's a talk show and you bring some of those, those new hosts on, um, to your show, uh, with celebrity interviews. What, what was the reasoning behind starting that series? And, you know, what's the history behind that one? Well, that's a good question. And, and, and the bottom line is, is that when we left the Nashville network, okay. And with a million six and, you know, the ratings and stuff and to bring it to a smaller network, you know what I'm saying? To like 25 million of total distribution. We had to have at least two shows to try to be able to have enough households for sponsors like y'all to be able to get the same delivery. You know what I'm saying? So, and then I was looking at another concept of just saying, you know, I've always studied television and I just thought, you know, watching the Johnny Carsons and the Lena, you know what I'm saying? And just watching that format, I kind of liked that. And uh, I just said it could be a different, it was definitely going to be completely different than anything they've ever seen on the outdoor channel or any outdoor network. So um, I also thought it was a place that I could age gracefully and bring other people in and try to try to bring them out. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, and, and, and see if I could help some of these younger guys and gals, you know, with their career and just give them a little exposure on Sunday night that they might not get otherwise. So, but that was it just to try to do a little change up. And, you know, I've, I, I learned a long time ago is that if you try to go to this particular audience and act like you're the know-all of know-all and nobody else can deer hunt better than you, you're going to get slammed pretty fast. Okay. This is a sport that is pretty egotistical by all means. You know, you're kind of challenging somebody's manhood there, if they, you know, you know, of hunting. So I learned a long time ago that I said, instead of being the deer hunting, I want to be the entertainer and I'd like to entertain people. And, you know, if I miss a deer, that's going to be on the show. If I'm, if I, if, you know, practical jokes and hunting camps and this and that, because that is kind of the hunting camp lifestyle. You know what I'm saying? You go in, you, you cook and you, you know, you have good food and then you go hunt and you tell a bunch of jokes. So I tried to bring that kind of camp, you know, hunting camp life to TV. And then boy, did it start going everywhere. And then they started playing snake jokes on me. And then we started <laughs> chasing armadillos and then we started catching catfish. So, I mean, it just blew up, but, that is kind of, uh, I guess, my stick. You know what I'm saying? It's more of an entertainer, and I like that a little bit better because I've had so many deer kick my rear end over the years. I know, you know, when they just call me the Buckmaster, it ain't because of my hunting expertise. It's just I'm the founder of Buckmaster. So, <laughs> But it's been a great ride, and I've always tried to say, let's don't give the fans what we think they want. Let's give them what they want, and that's what – the number one thing that we always got back on our surveys, the fans just want to sit down and relax and be entertained. That's the number one thing that came back from all the fans over the years. So I thought throwing the humor in and mixing it up a little bit, you know, so you've got deer hunts and we teach them. That's it. We want to teach people. I try to teach them my mistakes, you know, if they can be entertained. And then we've got the disabled part, which is an emotional part where we're taking terminal kids and wounded soldiers and disabled folks out. So I try to have a blend of those three to try to entertain the audience over the years. So that that's my mindset. That doesn't mean it's right. That's just the way we did it. Well, you've done it very well, obviously to have that kind of long, longevity in the industry. 
You'd mentioned earlier that um, you have that ranch out in, in Montana that both Jason and I have been to. Of course, you know, Jason is the leader in the clubhouse here for federal folks because he's, he's got a 152. But He's got a 152. <laughs> but in my Facebook feed came to, up today, popped up today, 10 years ago today to this day. I shot my first whitetail at at oh. your facility out in Montana, and I still I remember talk about that because it was such a watershed moment, right? I've been a bird hunter all my life, but to yeah. take down a very very nice whitetail in such a beautiful s- surrounding was was pretty awesome. Well, you know, I, I'll tell this to everybody, every hunter out there that's listening. This is that you might shoot hundreds of deer in your lifetime, but you will never forget your first deer ever. You will never forget the feeling uh, that you got on making a good shot and walking up and all that. And everybody asks me, hey, what's your favorite deer of all your deer you've taken on TV? This thing? You know, they'd probably say, oh, it's your Alberta buck or, you know, your 192. No, it always comes back to when I was 15 years old and I shot a six-inch spike with double alt buck. <laughs> that's the one that sticks out the most in my mind. And that's what hooked me on this sport. And it's hooked me ever since. And, you know, I still get excited. I probably get more excited now the older I've gotten. Uh, but fever, uh, I really try to get a good rest on sandbags and this and that. Because I can still miss on sandbags. But it's just the feeling. I, I remember this. Uh, when Richard Petty was, you know, getting to the end of his career, his wife, Linda, called me and said, Hey, we're trying to find Richard a new, new hobby. Would you take him hunting with you? And I said, Absolutely. I'd love to. Uh, what an honor to take the king of NASCAR. So, and he never shot a deer. And, you know, we sat in camp and I shot one, but Richard hadn't shot one. But the last day we got him on a nice 10 point, he shot it. And then he never stopped talking the whole night, you know, just watching the enjoyment in his face of shooting his first buck. And, you know, he's 50 years old plus, you know, doing that probably or in the late 40s, uh, if I remember right. And then I remember I mounted the deer and brought it to Talladega and he was talking to Chris O'Connor Mackey. You know, the CBS reporter, and he saw me coming with the deer. He said, oh, man, there comes the buckmaster with my deer. You know what I'm saying? You could just see the enthusiasm. And so I don't know if he's ever shot another one, but I do know he will never forget that. And, you know, Brian, when you talk about it, you shot your first deer out there, just the feeling that you got and, you know, being a bird hunter coming over. But it, it's one you won't forget, right? It, you're right. I, I remember looking over at Jimmy and saying, I can't believe I feel this way. I'm 43 years old, and I felt like a kid. <laughs> I just, it was just, it's just that, that over, that overwhelming feeling. Yeah. Great feeling. That's what it's all about. And I, I got the chance to introduce my daughter last year and she shot her first doe and that, oh, you know, it was cool. Awesome. That's, that's what we need to do is get more people to, to try it and, and enjoy it. It's awesome. You know, it's funny guys. I, I know I say this and I, and I don't know, I don't, I don't know of a negative thing. I haven't seen any person that got involved, tried it shot a deer that didn't stay with it that didn't enjoy that passion you know what i'm saying so it says if more people and we're always preaching to the choir but if every person just think about this of 11 million whitetail hunters took it on themselves not family members but take somebody out of the family maybe it's a single mama that's got a daughter or, or a young man and take them to the field buy them a license we'd have 24 million hunters 22 million. You know what I'm saying? It's that simple of a process. And if everybody would do that, I know people got lease land and stuff, but maybe you have a weekend there that you're just bringing in new hunters, you know, and first buck weekend or something. But 
I think if everybody did that, uh, I think they would enjoy the sport. And, then, and, you know, pass it forward. You know, that I'll always remember that. Pass it forward. Yep, absolutely. So you l- let's talk ammo a little bit. You yeah. said you shot buckshot on your first deer, and then from yeah. there – You've been a big fan of the 300 Win Mag, 200 grain trophy bonded bear claw. Oh yeah, good gosh, how many times I shot. But if you look way back, you know, two, you know, the 270 round was you know, one of my favorites, 130 grain. And then as I started getting into this thing, then I had to go to a seven mag because I started going out west a little bit, a little bit flat shooting and stuff like that. But then when I started hunting elk and grizzly and moose. Then y'all got me on the, you know, the Bear Claw, the 200, right? So I've I've kind of grown with y'all a little bit on that. But, uh, you know, I've, I've stayed with the uh, 300 Win Mag because whether I'm shooting deer or whatever, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take the animals clean and, and successfully. So, uh, but no, I mean, and I say this not because y'all been a sponsor this long, but out of the box, I, I'll put y'all number one. Out of the box, shooting consistency at a price point that everybody can afford. That's why y'all are the best of the best. Well, we appreciate it. It's um, we've got a great workforce here, fifteen hundred people who, who work really hard and they're dedicated to to making sure that ammo works for everybody. Oh, no question. So once we talked you off the ledge with the three hundred wind mag, we got you down to one hundred eighty grain when we introduced trophy bonnet tip. Yep. Do you do you remember that kind of progression? He walk us through how you how you how we were able to change your mindset on. On, a, on an effective bullet, especially when it comes to the technology that our um, our engineers here put into that into that round. Yeah, that was tough to get me off of that. It was kind of like you know, <laughs> I'm old school guys. I mean, I I had a I had a rifle that you know the old sponsor had for 24 years. I mean, it's the same gun, and I shot. I can't tell you how I many. I I'm not a big man of change. My wife will tell you. That. I mean, I'm just old school. So when you said you wanted to send me that 180, I was going, well, what's wrong with the 200? I've shot a lot. So I was willing to do that, but boy, wow. What a, what a great, what a great round of ammo, that 180 grain on the trophy tip. I mean, I shot, boy, I shot some stuff way out there with that thing. And now it's come full circle where we've got you back into terminal ascent, that 300 wind mag and 200 grain bullet. So, you know, things change, right? Or they always, they circle back. They circle back, and I sure am glad to have my 200 grain back. And I just smoked a nice buck at about 150 yards there in Texas, and he had a bad day. So, uh. <laughs> yeah, I suppose <laughs> if his perspective is he had a bad day, but he had a bad day. So, so Jackie, you're known as the Buckmaster, but you've hunted a lot of different species. Do you have any, you know, great memories of a hunt on different species? I mean, what what else do you like to get after? You know, good question. Uh, somebody was asking my bucket list and stuff, but, you know, I've shot the grizzly, and, you know, I've done it with gun and bow. Uh, I've shot the moose, and I've done it with the gun. i tell you what, you know, if you hadn't done the moose yet, and I know, Brian, you said you just got your first. I don't think a lot of people truly understand what a moose is all about. I mean, you know, I've got – I tried to do a full body size mount of one I, we couldn't even skin him that much but you're talking about an animal seven foot tall you know what i'm saying and weighs 1700 pounds i mean the shot is probably the easiest part of the whole ordeal and then when you walk up to you go oh my gosh and then you got to start skinning it and you're taking the meat out and all the process but you know that's the king of the deer family right there so that's a cool hunt i've done that i guess three times now in my lifetime and that's a pretty cool deal and i've, I've done a lot of elk hunts and 
it's just amazing how big those animals are. But, you know, like I said, y'all's ammo just, you know, you got to make that shot. You want to make it, you know, the best you can. And, and, you know, the consistency and the knockdown power of what, you know, federal ammunition brings to the table to me has been impressive. So, you know, to hunt the top of the food chain from the grizzlies to the elk to the moose, all of that, that, that's kind of what's impressed me. I mean, the deer are the deer, but, you know, when you step out and hunt the real big game, now, I hadn't done the Africa stuff yet. I don't know if I'll ever do it. I just know they say snakes are over there that can kill you in 10 minutes. That's pretty much X me out for Africa. So uh, unless somebody can convince me otherwise, but uh, I still love the white-tailed deer. That's just kind of my passion. And, you know, my buddy Bill Dance is, what, 82, and he still inspires me. So uh, I don't know if I can climb 35 foot when I'm 82. Uh, I might be on the ground, but I hope. I hope I can continue to do it as long as I stay healthy. Um, I'm sure you've got the energy for it. So we, I actually last week I got a chance to use our fire stick product for the first time. I know that you, oh yeah, were one of the first people who had a chance to to put that into a deer. Tell us a little bit about that product. You know, when I saw that, y'all showed me that at the shot show. I said, "All right, you just bubbified the whole muzzleloader industry." Now. <laughs> okay. That's right. You took the dummies like me that, you know, was kind of pour powder and spilling half of it on the ground or putting them in backwards or this or that. Can't get your, you know, cap on and all of that. Then you got to clean it and dry it, all that stuff. I said, right there, you're going to capture a market you've probably never seen. And that's people, dummies like me. And, you know, to team up with the guys there at Traditions and, you know, and I took the first one out and I think I got the first deer. If you go back and look at it on date wise and in the accuracy and all of that, I just think that's just cool technology. And it looks like we got more states buying in, you know, to the fire stick uh, technology and the nitro fire and stuff. So I hope that'll continue to grow. But Man, what a cool deal, man. And you just simplified the whole muzzleloader business. So kudos to you and the team because i think you're on to something there well we we've got a great engineering and new product development staff that dreams up these concepts and yeah they they did a fantastic job and I, i'm a believer it, it worked really well and and super simple and safe i yeah. love yeah i love your southern charm bubbify that's just a great <laughs> that's that is uh well, that's I a mean, unique let's face it there's a lot of bubbles out there like me that we, we don't want things that are complicated. You know what I'm saying? We don't have a bunch of time to go do a lot of stuff. So they just want it to make it simple, get out and use a different weapon at a different season. And, you know, there's a lot of folks, you know, that maybe just rifle hunt. Well, now they're seeing these muzzleloaders. I mean, y'all watching it with y'all's technology and the folks of tradition, you can shoot out to 200 yards and you're, you're as deadly with that as you are rifle and shooting a 50 grain bullet. You know what I'm saying? I mean, a 50 caliber shooting a what? A 270 grain bullet or something like that? These yeah. things are powerful. Yeah, it just it brings the ethical into it, the ethical, yeah. humane of uh, quick dispatch. And then, of course, you got the technology to make sure that the shot placement is going to be on. You, you know, you do your job and, the, and everything else is going to do its job. So yeah. um, that's what it's all about. I'm, I'm impressed. But that's cool stuff, guys. Like I said, y'all stay on the cutting edge. That's what. That's what we like about you because they're sitting going, all right, what are they going to come up with now? Well, you got me back to a 200 grain. I love you. And now you got, you know, to the fire stick. Like, all right, come on, keep bringing it, keep bringing it. So what is next uh, for you, Jackie, on your hunting schedule? You have some home t- home time 
in the state of Alabama, or you you got some other hunts coming up? Well, right now I'm working on trying to get back to Canada. You know, due to the COVID virus, I, we we just need that thing to go away. I mean, I know you know the Canadian outfitters is taking a huge hit. So I'm working on hopefully going back to my one of my favorite spots where I've shot most of my big deer next week if we can pull that off. If not, I think I'm doing uh, Georgia. I'm doing the Niagara Fire. Uh, and uh, over there in Georgia with the Sweepstakes Hunt at Realtree Farm. So I'll be over there with Bill and Tyler uh, and with the Nitro Fire. And so we'll see how that goes. And then I'm going back to Kansas again for a muzzleloader hunt. And the Kansas approved uh, the Nitro Fire for Kansas this year. So that's good. Uh, and the Fire Stick. So that's that's good. So I'll be, in, I'll be there in the 1st of December. And I'm also uh doing a duck and goose hunt while i'm there too so i get to use the black cloud and the new uh renegades that they've got by savage so i've got that coming and then i'll stay home uh once we get uh pretty close to christmas and i get my camera guys off for christmas and then we'll start chasing these deer here in alabama in january through february 10th we got our life hunt for terminal Ill kids which is uh in first of january which is a very special event uh, it means a lot to me personally, and it touches a lot of people across the country that watch that show. So that's in the middle of January, and then we'll finish up February 10th and wait till turkey season comes in March 15th. Great schedule. Well, J- Jackie, we, uh, we're extremely proud to be part of the Buckmasters brand, and, and you know, right now we're looking back on 100 years of history, and it's, it's really uh, exciting for us to be able to say, like Brian said, that you guys have been there for over a third of the history of the company so uh, hopefully you'll join us in celebrating in 2022 and um, sincerely thank you from all of us here at Federal for supporting Federal and, and being part of it. Thank you, Jackie. Well, you know, I appreciate that from both of you. You know, I take the partnerships extremely serious. I'm very competitive and, you know, I just think that's a a, a great tribute to both of us to be able to share everything we've done over the years. Hope that we can continue to do it, Lord willing, I can stay in shape and, uh, the Buckmasters brand out there, it's only because of the fine staff we got here with our employees. To, you know, I'm just the, I'm just the guy that does a little TV and screws up and hopefully these guys, they've just knocked it out. So I hire the best folks we can. And I know y'all do too, but again, thank y'all. And I'm just waiting for something new, uh, to come out from federal and you didn't, you know where to send it. We'll bubble it down here and we'll get something <laughs> shot. You got it. You got it. Yeah. Thank you, Jackie. Have a great day. All right, guys. Thank y'all. Up next, we'll talk with Adam Moser, Federal's Director of Product Development, and we'll talk about what's new in shot shell ammunition. Meet the industry's widest variety of game-changing ammunition. However you shoot and whatever you hunt, fortune favors the prepared, and nothing prepares you better than Federal Premium. It's a gold standard advantage delivered directly from the experts in premium ammunition. Find your federal premium advantage today. Welcome back to It's Federal Season and our technology segment, Tech Talk. I'm Jason Nash along with Brian Kelvington. And joining us today to talk about some new shot shell and muzzle loading product is Adam Moser. Director of Product Development and Research. Hey, Adam. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. In our last podcast, we talked about um, a couple of different products with Dan Compton, uh, the introduction of high overall 
Federal's new target shot shell competition load that you worked on. And um, when this podcast goes live, HOA should be on the shelves. Walk us quickly through the features and benefits of that new competition target load. So HOA features a tapered hull, which is something new to Federal. Typically, we've had straight-walled hulls for our shotgun shells. Um, but with, with the HOA introduction, we've incorporated a taper hull and a brass head, which makes this hull really reloadable. To go along with the tapered hull, we designed a new wad. It's called the Podium Wad. Uh, it's designed to have the optimal amount of compressibility to protect the shot and also absorb some of that recoil from the shooter so it feels softer. Uh, obviously, with our premium line, we, we use high antimony hard lead shot, so that all combined together is what makes HOA our new premium target load. Let's just talk about the recoil. Because we were out, we've, Jason and I have shot it, you've shot it. Do you really feel the softness of it? I, I believe I do. Yeah, we've heard it from a ton of experienced shooters, um, and and looking at some of the ballistics and stuff, it does uh, support that. Um, but it's just really great to hear it firsthand from those that that shoot the most, especially those high volume shooters, right? As you shoot on a day, you shoot two hundred rounds a day or four hundred rounds a day. Incrementally, you're going to feel that recoil, and this is really going to help. Obviously, longevity in the sport, right? Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Do you think you could put any type of metric to that? How much? felt recall you'll, you'll actually save? Uh, there are ways to, to measure it, but really what it comes down to is the perception of the shooter. Um, you know, you get into the nuts and bolts of it and, and it comes, becomes very technical. Uh, but so what we really re- rely on is, is the shooter and how, what they perceive. Yeah. And so much of, of target shooting in competition for shot shot, like anything else is it's, it's all mental. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Once you get the fundamentals down and the technique, it's all about keeping your mind in the right place. So, you know, a product like this that gives you a little bit of benefit that'll stretch over all those rounds and, and work is fantastic. Uh, along the same lines on, on Shot Shell, Top Gun is coming out with a new product line featuring a different wad. Can you talk about that too? Sure. So we've had a paper wad in the works for quite some time now, and, and Top Gun is, is going to obviously tailor that towards the clay target shooter. And so we have offerings in both lead and steel shot, and uh, we've got a patent pending over powder wad that does the sealing portion of, you know, typically that's made out of plastic, but this is made out of paper, completely made out of paper. And we combine that with a paper shot pouch to protect your barrel and, and improve your pattern performance as well. So shooters can expect to get the same performance out of this paper wad that they would typically get out of a plastic wad. When will we see that on the shelves, Adam? Your best guest in in manufacturing uh, this this winter and and be ready for for the spring season. Who's going to benefit most from this new technology? I think there are certain ranges that are going you know away from plastics if they can, and so I think those ranges and then just the you know the um, environmentally conscious person that that wants to put less plastic out there. And that's that's always been a, a hallmark of Federal the brand is that we offer options and we've got every different shot type. We've got every different, uh, we've got paper hull products. So, I mean, we've, we pride ourselves on having a lot of options for, for everybody. Well, let's talk hunting loads cause it is hunting season right now. And there's still plenty of season left to go for, uh, upland hunters or, or waterfall hunters. Um, tell us about Prairie Storm and the technology innovations you brought into this year's lineup. Sure. So a few years ago, we, we redesigned the flight control wad for black cloud. Um, it's known as flight control flex. It was the next generation of flight control. Really, the, the problem we were trying to solve there was uh, getting rid of the issues or some of the performance uh, degradation we saw in ported chokes. And so we redesigned that wad for Black Cloud 
we took what we learned from that and, and applied it to Prairie Storm, made some tweaks and put it into that lineup. So now whether you're shooting a ported choke or a ported barrel or just a standard choke, you can expect to get the same performance no matter what. And you've extended the offerings to in the sub-gauges. Yeah, so with the popularity growth in 16 and 28, we designed wads for those two gauges and now have Prairie Storm available there as well. We also just launched a new Upland Steel product with a paper wad. Um, what is it about the construction of that wad that benefits the Upland Hunter? So again, same technology that went into the Top Gun paper wad, um, same componentry, uh, you know, slight changes for the steel steel component of it from a volume aspect, but same basic idea, but tailored towards the upland bird hunter. So different velocities and payload offerings, et cetera. And we talked with uh, federal ambassador, Jackie Bushman about his experiences with the revolutionary fire stick product. I had an opportunity to use it last week on a deer, just a fantastic new way to approach muzzle loading. Um, we have a new 80 grain, uh, option for that. Uh, can you talk about that? new product coming out? Sure. So if you look at the traditional inline muzzle loader offerings, typically people either shoot 80, 100, or 120 grain equivalent charges. And so we had the 100 and 120 the first year. And to kind of round out that product family, we, we developed the 80 grain load uh, this season. And, you know, as, as this product is rolled out, it was, you know, we've had to gain acceptance at different states, state level. Um, Illinois just legalized the system. We've got, uh, more than a dozen states now that allow it and we update that on our website it's got to be really exciting for you to watch as this technology you worked on slowly gets added uh, to the approved list for states yeah absolutely i mean it, it is it's reassuring and exciting it's all those things after you put a bunch of time and effort into the design and the manufacturing of of something completely new it's just really great to see that acceptance uh, and traction continue to grow on a state-by-state -state basis and then, uh, Adam, one last uh, item to talk about is Force X2. We'll be coming out with a shorty version, um, similar to what we did with the shot shell for, um, for target practice. Tell us about um, this technology advancement. Um, well, so shorty's been around for a while, right? The inch and three-quarter shotgun shell. Um, Force X2 shot, which is a double-lot buckshot pellet that is designed to break into two pieces when it impacts the target, um, that, that allows for a, a quicker, more effective release of that energy from that pellet, prevents over-penetration. So um, if you're to use uh, that type of pellet in a you know, personal defense application, um, you'll ensure you won't have over-penetration and you're getting all the energy from that pellet dispersed into the media. With gun companies like Mossberg coming out with the 590S this year, it's a gun designed to specifically cycle inch and three-quarter shells, so it gives you know, the personal defense guy, the, the option to use shorty shells reliably with this new type of shot in that application. Talk about innovation. I mean, a, a short little shell with a buckshot that splits in half. I mean, that's yeah. really fun to see the way that shot shells have evolved and, and where you guys have taken them. You guys just sit sit down in the lab and dream all this up every day, or what? Do you, what's what's that whole process like? Yeah, some of it some of it comes from us. A lot of it comes from what we think the market needs, and and you know the the brand directors and and those sorts of people. But yeah, we do get to have a, a fair amount of time to sit down and, and think about things and try try things out, which is really exciting. Throughout Federal's history as a hundred year old company, we've had a lot of people like Adam who've been able to to develop these new products and think outside of the box. And that's really what has gotten us to this, this full century as a brand and it'll take us beyond.
Um, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. There's a time and a place for every season. This is that time, and these are those special places. When preparation gives way to anticipation, rituals, and traditions. Friends, family, forever. This is what you live for. It's time to celebrate the annual tradition like no other. It's federal season. Welcome back to It's Federal Season and the News and Notes segment. Show season is coming up and Federal is looking forward to seeing you in person to talk about the 2022 new product offerings, as well as hear stories about your fantastic hunts with Federal products. Look for us at the Dallas Safari Club Show. That's January 6th through the 9th, 2022 in Dallas, Texas. The Sheep Show in Reno, Nevada, January 13th through the 15th. Western Hunting Show in Salt Lake City, Utah, February 10th through the 13th. We'll also be at National Wild Turkey Federation in Nashville, Tennessee. Those dates are February 16th to the 19th. And finally, we can't wait to see you in Omaha for Pheasant Fest. That's in uh, Nebraska, March 11th through the 13th in 2022. In 2022, Federal will be celebrating its 100th anniversary. There will be plenty of opportunities to celebrate with us this milestone with special apparel, a commemorative book and magazine. You can follow on our social channels and website as Federal chronicles the history, people, and products that has led us to where we stand today and look forward to keeping our shooting, hunting, and conservation heritage alive for another century. Finally, our next podcast will feature a conversation with Tom Dockin, trainer at Dockin's Oak Ridge Kennel, and what makes a bird dog a bird dog. Look for that release on December 16th, just before the holidays. If you like the It's Federal Season podcast, be sure to let us know by filling out a rating and review on iTunes. And remember, for us, it's always in season. It's federal season.